today is found in Psalms 92, 1 through 4, and 12 through 17. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast to the music of the lute and the harp, and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. The righteous flourish like the plant palm tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and my rock. There is no The epistle lesson today is found in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 6 through 10 and 14 through 17. So when we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether it's good or evil. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died, for he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
gospel today comes from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with the sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. I invite you to be seated. The kingdom of God is like someone sowing seed on the ground and watching it grow but not knowing how the kingdom of god is like the smallest of seeds but grows into the largest shrub now before we go any further i think it is uh, it would do us well to consider just what is the kingdom of god i mean we we say that we say that phrase but let's not assume that we all know what it means now in context we americans we don't like kings very much do we I mean, there was a revolution about that sometime back. We made a decision then we didn't want a king to rule us. So if we, were, we are adamantly opposed to being ruled by a king, why do we in the church, without any hesitancy, read so much about kingdom in the scriptures and talk so much about kingdom living? When we pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, what do we envision? Well, this is what I know. Whether we like it or not, if there's a kingdom, there must be a... And for Christians, the king is God and Jesus Christ. And next, the king must be able to rule. For a king who doesn't rule is just an empty seat, isn't it? And a king rules a people by way of the will of the king expressed in the law. Now here is where it becomes palatable for us for Christians the people for who, whom God rules is Jesus Christ is the church and for Christians the law by which Christ rules is love because we as Americans we're steeped in rugged individualism we, we learn this uh, honestly from the beginnings with what I call frontier theology frontier theology though sometimes misses an important message when trying to understand God's kingdom. You see, God's kingdom is more about the church, the collection, the called out of people than with individual salvation and individual growth as disciples of Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus in God's kingdom is more than just becoming a, a personal follower of Jesus. It's about us learning to live with other disciples in such a way that as a fellowship, as a church, we offer a, a new reality to society's dominant values. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we, the church, 
are to live in such a way that how we live transforms the world with the rule, the love of Jesus. And that rule is the unbounded grace and love so deep that it cannot be explained, only experienced. The kingdom of God is how we practice our prayers and our presence and our gifts, our service, and our witness. It's how we are the church in the world. The kingdom of God is not place or space. It's the people of God ruled by the love of Jesus. Beginning in the here and now and living toward the not yet. We're told it's like being a seed sown and then seeing the seed sprout and grow but not knowing how it happens. It's like being a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds that grows into the greatest of the shrubs. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not a gardener. But you don't have to be a gardener to appreciate the mystery taking place from planting seeds and watching them grow. I remember as a child in vacation Bible school, the teachers giving us as children um, a cup with dirt in it. And then we planted a seed in that dirt. And then we took it home. We went home with that Dixie cup full of dirt. And I placed it on the windowsill where I watered it and watched it sprout. It obviously had an impression on me because I was telling Eric earlier, every year when Bible school comes around, I think about that Dixie cup on the windowsill. <laughs> now, even though I'm not a gardener, this is what I know about gardening. A gardener can do a lot to nurture the seed, but she cannot make that seed grow, can she? The fact that a seed somehow sprouts is mystery. The spark of life, the energy that causes the seed to sprout is a, a miracle of God. All the sower can do is hope. Hope in the mystery of God that God will grow the seed. All the sower can do is to, to hope in the promise of God. Hope is something we see expressed a lot in Jesus' parables. In fact, St. Augustine even took issue with the Apostle Paul. You remember the Apostle Paul said, uh, there remains three things faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love Augustine said he thought hope was the greatest of all he said that a faith only tells us that God is love love only tells us that God is good but hope tells us that God will work God's will so the sower can can hope that God will work God's will and the seed sown on the ground and it's the same kind of hope that we hold on to Believing that God will work God's will in our lives and in the life of us as church. Now to be sure, hope is a fitting image for God's kingdom. You see, hope empowers us to live as, as God's people in the world. The community of the church. When we come together, the church teaches us how to allow the seed of God's rule to be sown into our lives. In the church, we learn that the seed is sown through prayer and meditation, through studying the Bible with other Christians, through worship, through the sacrament of Holy Communion. It's in the church that we learn to offer one another comfort and care and to be a community for each other and for the world. The church, the kingdom of God, compels us to offer hospitality to strangers and sharing the gifts of our resources and interceding for them in prayer. Yet... Through all of these ways in which we can be active in God's work as sowers of God's kingdom seed, we cannot make faith, hope, and love grow, can we? God alone does this. 
We cannot bring life from nothing, existence from death. This is God's work. We can't manufacture desire in someone. We sow the seeds of God's kingdom of life, and it is God that grows that desire and that yearning. We can sow the seed of God's kingdom, and, and we should sow the seed. But God is always the miracle worker. We see this through the Easter story, don't we? The most important miracle in the life of the church. The Easter story shows us God bringing forth life from death. In the tomb where Jesus lay, God grew life from the darkness of death. In fact, the church calls Jesus the first fruit of the kingdom of God, doesn't it? Creating life out of death is God's fundamental gift. Powerful promise to each of us. Now to be sure, our human condition, we all have the knack of sometimes keeping God at arm's length, don't we? I mean, the church has a penchant for living in ways that keeps God from allowing uh, him to grow and sprout within us. I mean, we get it honestly. The, the Israelites wandered in the desert 40 years doing that, didn't they? <clears throat> but God is a tenacious gardener. Through God's persistent grace, the church is continually being drawn, being drawn into relationship with God, being drawn back into being the kingdom people of God. I remember uh, sometime back hearing a sermon by Bishop Paul Leland. And honestly, I don't take notes on many preachers. And you don't take many notes either, by the way. <laughs> But I remember taking notes on this sermon from Bishop Paul Leland. He spoke about the miracle and the mystery of God bringing life out of death. He used Romans chapter 5. It says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope never disappoints. Through the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom has been sown into the life of the church, and God grows this seed in and through us, both in the good times and the bad times. God desires for us to allow, to allow God to grow the kingdom in us, where character sprouts from within us, and we're able to grow into becoming the church that God desires us to become. <clears throat> God desires for us to grow into people who love God with all that we are, who love our neighbors, and who love ourselves. It's a seed that is, um, that's resilient and stubborn, and it empowers us to trust and embrace God's grace wherever we may find ourselves. Now, to be sure, any kind of new birth is painful, but we are promised, aren't we, that Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. You know, I think one of the reasons that gardening is not something which I find joy in is because of weeding. Now, I don't mind hard work. But when I was a kid, my family had this garden with corn and tomatoes and squash, you know, those kinds of things. And my job was to weed there's an adage where I grew up that speaks of this desire in my heart not to weed. I, it says, I just seem to be punched through a knot hole with a broomstick as to have to weed a garden. And when I hear about this parable 
of the mustard seed. I think of weeds. No, that's what it was. It was an invasive, exotic weed. And it was a, um, it was a nuisance to the uh, Palestinian farmers. But in God's kingdom, even weeds have benefit. The plant itself could grow as tall as a small house, I understand. And the branches grew out enough to where birds found refuge in the mustard seed shrub. It provided refuge from birds. In this second parable, Jesus was helping his disciples and others to, to understand that God's reign starts very small. Maybe as a small baby and a born in a stall in a small town that's insignificant to most. But then Jesus says, just wait. Just wait, and no time we will be gathered into the community as God's kingdom, just like birds flocking to a mustard seed bush. Just like the birds find refuge in the mustard seed um, shrub, we are at our best when we, as a people, offer refuge to those who need a safe place to nest. The people to whom Jesus was speaking understood this because they were a people who were oppressed politically and religiously. They were under the rule of the Roman government who kept peace through violence. And even though they could practice their religion, they did not say the word Lord very loudly. Okay, because Caesar was Lord. <clears throat> and we must wonder, being on a very short leash by the, uh, by the government and by the religious leaders, does a parable about a mustard seed offer them hope? How about us today? Can we embrace hope and believe in a story about a mustard seed when the headlines are about immigrant children being separated from their families? Can we hear the hope in a mustard seed when we hear much more in the world about war and conflict than about harmony and peace? Can the mustard seed story give us hope when in our own country tribalism has become the standard of living where we isolate ourselves from one another? Can we have hope in a mustard seed when our desires for all people to have the basic necessities of life where we know there's enough water and there's enough food for everybody in this world, but yet people die of hunger and thirst every day? Sometimes we must wonder, don't we? If only for a moment that the mustard seed faith may just be a pipe dream? Well, according to Jesus, it is not. According to God's will and ways through the miracle of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the mustard seed life is real and it is alive. When each of us allows God, the God of Easter, to grow the kingdom seed within us, God sprouts within us hope and character. God helps us put feet to the hope we have within us to share God's love in whatever way God guides us to do that. And even if the seed sown in our lives is a small one, God will sprout hope and character that nudges us and prods us to, to roll up our sleeves and get to work loving people as God desires us to. You know, like the mustard seed, the church, and that's you and me, we're, we're like those early followers of Jesus. We're just a bunch of folk with our own doubts and fears, our own concerns and cares, and sometimes we can't understand the parables Jesus offers us. 
We are that small seed, though, that eventually grows into a plant that infiltrates and permeates the garden of this world with God's grace and mercy and justice. The kingdom of God is like. You know, the kingdom of God is, is, it shows up when we least expect it. The kingdom of God is like a, a small animal that in the midst of, in the midst of the world's crises, and life's vicissitudes shows up like a raccoon. You can laugh. A raccoon that begins climbing a building and people are mesmerized. And just for a moment, there's a minute of grace where we are pulling for that raccoon to make it to the top of the building, aren't we? Right? Now, I use that illustration because my colleagues at annual conference said I couldn't do it. <laughs> but it shows up, doesn't it? God's grace shows up. God's kingdom shows up unexpectedly sometimes. Now, there is a story about Mother Teresa of Calcutta that brings this life of small seeds sprouting uh, into vision. She went to her superiors and she wanted to um, build an orphanage. And they asked her what resources she has. And the story says that Mother Teresa says, I only have three pennies to my name. And they said, well, in a sarcastic way, you can't do anything with three pennies. And Mother Teresa, never with a shortage of words, said, you know, you're right. I cannot do a thing with three pennies. I know three pennies is not going to build the orphanage that I've asked you about. But with God and three pennies, I just believe I can do most anything. And she might as well have said, with three pennies and a mustard seed faith, I can do what God is calling me to do. And she did. The orphanage was built. We, the church, the body of Christ in the world, we are about be, to be about sowing kingdom of God's seeds. And trusting God to grow those seeds. We are to be about sharing ourselves and sharing our resources and lives with a, a world who needs to experience God's refuge. And although it may begin small, even though it may begin slowly, Jesus promises us that the lives of the congregations called church will take root. They will take root. And God's mercy and grace and love and salvation will be shared where people will be invited to sit in the branches of a mustard seed church, a kingdom of saving grace through our Lord. Let us pray. Give us grace, O oh God, to sow seeds and to embrace the promise of mustard seed faith. Help us to trust that the ways in which we love you and love others are sufficient because of your grace. And although we may think we have very little to offer, remind us that even the smallest acts of love can be transforming and life-giving. We offer this prayer in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite us to stand and sing our closing hymn together.